This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On a rooftop, high above the city, a madman cackles. Clad in a bespoke suit and a golden mask that covers his whole head. Quake with fear, fools! For you face the greatest menace of your life, the Kilded Rage! I shall rob your barons. I'll take your stocks. My portfolio screams for blood. So speaks the Gilded Rage. Hey, stop that! Oh, oops. Fixed uh, it. Sorry, I slipped. Uh, these pants are chafing. Uh, hold on. Um. New York's premier superhero and current governor, but shh, that's a secret. The big stick pulled himself up. But he was out of shape. His stomach bulged out of his costume. You look, uh... What? Fat. What? Rude. I'm a super villain. Well, still, I might have had a few too many bonbons, but I'd been behind a desk more. But, uh, I was hoping I'd heard all these stories, and it, it's a bit disappointing. Hey, I got my stick, and I'll... Uh, uh, just a, just a sec. Sit, sit on this bit of time. I put a lot of effort into this. Uh, you what? Bought a suit? Wow. And this mask, helmet, is solid gold? It is? Well, no, not solid. It's gold leaf. Do you know how much a solid gold mask would cost? Oh, well, I was going to say. I'm trying to represent the corrupt time we live in. Well, and you... I get it. I do. A bit obvious. Obvious? Compared to whom? Oh, Murder Bob? Or Lady Crime? I mean, come on! That's obvious. Lady Crime was quite the cunning trickstress. Yes, she was. She mm. shall be nothing compared to the thirsty fist of the Gilded Rage. As I curbstone you into broker. What? Broker. Like a stockbroker, but also broke like broken. Hat on a hat. What? But uh, nothing. Let's do this. Ah. Woo! Fishingoffs. No, I don't. This is just. Uh, what a disappointment. I, I'm just gonna go rob a bank or something. Ah. Hey, come back or reform. Uh, got him. I'm, I'm sure he's going to, to walk right to jail. I should have my clerk get me more of those french fries. That would be good. Uh, but first, a bit of a sit. Uh, here's Big Stick. Big sit. Oh, yeah. That's... that's nice. Okay. While Big Stick takes a load off, let's pick up where we left off last time. The valet of Duke Rock von Vinderland has come to Eugene for help. 
His master is missing. He explained himself to Eugene and Angus, as well as Chicago detective Hawthorne P. Westwood. He's gone. Missing. Ah, uh, this sounds tied into our case, so I should get half of whatever you charge this fellow. Ahem. <clears throat> um, you are lucky. I, Hawthorne P. Westwood, have put Eugene and Angus on the case. And with my blessing, I take my leave. I'm off to see one of these opium dens I've heard so much about. What's there, a clue? Well, maybe. But more importantly, opium. Delicious, delicious opium. Please help me find the Duke. This is very unlike him. He's very sociable. One night missing, perhaps, but it's been four. He's missed meetings of the Explorers Club, the Colonization Society, and the Waving Your Hand Dismissively group, and he ah. loves waving his hand dismissively. Sounds like a basic kidnapping plot. Probably for Ransom. Ransom is very in this season. As are high-waisted britches. He's rented the top two floors of the Beaver Pelt Hotel. Please, without him, I am nothing. Hey, you're great. You don't need to be defined by a man. You're your own person. I... And? Sure. Then why do I hate myself so much? Oh. Let's stick to the case at hand. We should investigate the Beaver Pelt Hotel. And off they went. But Chandel, meanwhile, was going nowhere. In fact, a local Tammany Democrat and a Republican congressman were currently at her campaign headquarters, and they were not happy. Oh, you think it's a joke! By Grover's Cleveland, this is a Democratic district. Yeah, and by Lincoln's ugly mug, this is a Republican country. And here comes you, the Jew. The woman. The independent. What? <laughs> it's a free country. <laughs> no, it ain't. Uh -oh. Elections aren't free. They cost a lot. The ballot boxes. Money. The ballots. Money. The poll workers. Money. The buy-offs. Money. The money. Money. And you're making a mockery of it. We have two parties. Count them. Two. And that's it. Why? Why only two? Because if you have too many parties, you get pooped. You ever try to attend three parties in a day? You would dance your feet raw and burst your stomach on cake and punch. Two parties you can do. You might be a little sore, but you can party hardy twice. But that's... It. Besides, you're not even on the ballot. Oh, I filled out those papers I found on the floor. <laughs> oh, that's precious. Those are just the forms to let you fill out the form to get the form, but the actual factual form that gets you on the ballot, that form is kept in the desk of Old Man Comptroller. And he don't open it for third-party smarties. <laughs> so we beat you. Yay! yay! <laughs> Let's celebrate by holding hands and jumping up and down. Yay, 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 yay! yay! <laughs> wait, wait. Nice jumping, but not as nice as this completed ballot form, stamped and notarized, putting Miss Blum on the ballot. What? How dare you? And who dare you? I am Dora Lopez, and I get things done, and I'm getting this woman elected. Dora seemed to strike a noble pose. She always had the air of an heir to royalty. She was lithe, with strong cheekbones and a mess of hair perfectly pinned and styled. Every move she made, whether it was a finger wag or the purchase of a house, was precise and deliberate. I don't care who you are, because we pick the election day, and we can put it any time in the next eight weeks. 
And we don't have to tell you or anyone. Yeah, uh, a secret public election to preserve true democracy. So good luck running, because you'll keep running, because you'll never know when and where the finish line will be. (laughs) That's politics, kid. Kaboom. They're scared. That's good. I can use scared. Thanks for getting me on the ballot. It's a real mitzvah. But who are you and why are you helping me? As I said, Miss Blum. Call me Shane Doll. And call me Dora. I come from a wealthy Sephardic family with roots dating back to the 1500s, in this continent anyway. Argentine silver, piracy, eh, the usual. We made a nice life, but I'm sick of Jews not getting our due. Even dumb Ashkenazis like you. <laughs> no offense, but you know the Ashkis are the trash Jews. What about Caucasus Mountain Jews? Ah, true they are. But let's not quibble. I'm here, I'm kosher, and ready to go, sure. So what are you, some kind of fairy godmother? <laughs> Your campaign manager, if you'll have me. Do I have a choice? Can you eat rice during Passover? No. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, you can't. Ah, sweet Ashkenazi. You have so much to learn. Babajadas de Ben Adam. But first, let's get you some campaign ribbons. And as Shandel found an ally in her election battle, Eugene and Angus found something strange at the doorway to the Duke's suite of rooms. Mm, it's stuck. Have you been inside? Without the Duke? <laughs> no, that'd break protocol. I wait outside his rooms and he calls for me. And then we follow the traditional 32-step master-servant dukey procedure. But he hasn't called for me. Someone is in there. We can't just burst in. We're bursting in. And with that, Eugene flung the doors open and found... Oh, my duke. We'll get back to that in a second. Build the tension. I can be a tease. Just ask Ellie at the Englewood Library. But this is not about her. Rather, let us return to the sewer layer of piecemeal. He's captured an art critic. Ugh. I give this kidnapping three stars. Now let me go. I don't have any money. Do you want my children? Take them. They're the worst. Hush! I've brought you here for one simple reason. To twist me with your probing dark perversions? No. Oh. Uh, oh, did, did you want? Oh, maybe. I want you to critique. Oh, God. Couldn't you just cut off my fingers or something? Please. They think I'm a monster because of the whole... Ugh, reanimated corpse. Classic Aristeus. Don't say Frankenstein! I was going to say Aristeus of Proconesis. Frankenstein is merely a rehashed work. I'm a copy of a copy? Copy, simulacra... Really depends on the details. You see, I was created by mad scientists who were unoriginal in their thinking, and I lived a life that. But I'm here to make a mark, do something I don't know, crazy, like um, like um. Oh, I'll steal from the rich, and I'll I'll, I'll give to the poor. That's Robin Hood. And that's Faust. Fine! Something just out there. I'll, I'll use a rattlesnake as a lasso, ride a cougar, and eat dynamite. Peko Spill, are we going to do this all day? I'll tear this city apart. There's nothing wrong with a copy. 
Copies have meaning unto themselves. The veritable reproduction of the classical masterwork creates an intrinsic value in itself via the reflected symbology of, of the facsimile. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio or simple construct of immediate tropes of genre assimilation. Right. Oh, I have value. I have worth. Um, indeed. Oh, and um, my sketches. Thoughts? Oh, no. These are hacking garbage. 500 negative stars. No! I am a singular talent. Nothing like me has ever been seen. I'm bored. This is dumb. You're dumb. May I go now? Oh, you can. Go to hell! And with that, the patchwork monster tossed the critic into the fast-flowing sewer channel that ran through his lair. The critic judged the water both polluted and not worth one's time, and gave it two stars before being swept out to parts unknown. I am no copy! Copies are dumb! I am piecemeal, the most original thing ever! So, I say, in high vengeance, there is noble scorn. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good! I need to write that down. I'm so smart! Too bad that's a George Eliot quote. But back to the suite of rooms at the Beaver Pelt Hotel. The door swung open to reveal... The Duke? What? Go away! Your Grace! But why are you holed up here alone? What is it, evening already? Have I missed the Explorers Club? That was two days past! Two days? Oh, I've been... Are you alright? Well, I was gifted this board game. It, it's so complex. I would... Play with you, sir. No, 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 it's a, it's a solo adventure. It's best to block out any interaction. You have to be constantly focused on it. I'm really close. You all should leave. I need to finish this. But your appointments... No, no, no please, I have to get the 31 dice to align and then get the right card combination and bring all my red pieces to the intrazone before the yellow time tiles all flip. Oh, it inverses the gammon house and these cards will not dishuffle themselves. A solid few months of complete isolation and But the I, and fair! I... You have to present the Sacre Bleu! Sacre Bleu? Sacre Bleu! The holy pigment of Wallow Bavonia. I have it here in this vial. It's our greatest treasure. It's very blue. <laughs> it's no mere azure or lapis. This was created by the blind nuns of the Order of St. Catherine de Vigri. It's our silver bullet in the color war. Please don't ask about... Color war? What's that? <laughs> it's quite the tale. I'll investigate this board game while you tell what is, I am sure, a very interesting no, story. No, 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 the game is so just... Oops, uh, sorry. Hours wasted... Anyway, well, the color war. Okay. It all began with mauve. Mauve was the first synthetic dye that created a color panic across Europe. No country or principality wanted to fall behind the color gap. First, Prussian blue was brought to the forefront and mass-produced on canvases across the empire. But the Serbs paid off an eastern mystic to recreate Egyptian yellow via alchemical magic. But the Lombards struck next with transubstantiation red, a deep crimson said to be mixed with the blood of Christ from a reliquary in St. Peter's. They painted three churches with it and it was said to inspire the peasants to double their tithes. But Venice invited six foreign diplomats to the Doge's palace where they revealed the white canvas of St. Mark's, 
a 10 by 10 foot canvas painted with a white so vivid that it drove them all mad and the diplomats drowned themselves in the Grand Canal. From there, colors were popping up across Europe. The Green Revolt of Munster, the Russian Black Fleet. That's terrible. <laughs> it got worse, believe me. In the Germanic states, General Linseed Crayola started the Crayonic Wars. It was during this time that we developed our Sacre Bleu. Purely for defensive purposes, of course. It would never been put on a canvas, but preliminary tests on paper scraps caused all the rats of Moravia to spontaneously turn themselves inside out. On a large mural? I mean, who knows? Perhaps an extinction-level event. And while we created this, Paris was working on the Vermilion Bomb. Belligerent words increased. The art show of 1877 resulted in riots and even death as the red right-handers clashed with the yellow kids. The Pope tried to step in to broker peace, but he was dipped into a vat of titanium white and went into self-imposed isolation. So what happened? Everyone died, including you? Are you a ghost? Oh, luckily, no. I'd, I'd make a terrible ghost, no. It all came to a head, you see, in Ghent. France came with the Vermilion Bomb, and we brought our Sacre Bleu. The Russians showed up with Yellow Peril, the unified Italians with Orange, you glad we didn't use this orange? The mad Spanish king even sent Indigo Go, the pigment that caused the dancing plague. We get it, we get it. There were a lot of colors. What happened? It was a dark and stormy day in Ghent. Each of the color armies advanced, their pigments and dyes at the ready, when all of a sudden the skies cleared, and in the sky was... A, a bird. Uh, no. Uh, ah, too bad. I like birds. It was a rainbow, and the armies saw the rainbow, the great unity of colors, and they fell to their knees... And they wept. And they knew colors should be used for art and commerce, not war. And so they capped their markers, boxed their crapers, and decided to fight with colors no more. And instead, they invested in gunpowder and bombs, so it all worked out. Especially as I own several steel plants, and we make all sorts of guns. So I brought our great pigment, the Sacre Bleu, to the fair to show off how close Europe came to colorful destruction. And because of colors like this, Europe will never fall into a world war. Or a world war too. Great. Uh, Eugene, look at this. The game. The company that makes it. Latrones Games. Latrones. Yeah. Strange, right? Strange. Yeah. You have no idea what it means. No. Latrones was one of Onesimus Suite's sub-companies listed in their paperwork... What would a chocolate company want with board games? I don't know, but you can leave now. The Duke must get ready for his meetings. Oh, sure. Uh, Eugene, we should pay this Flavius Flavors a visit. Exactly. You do that. Leave. All the pieces are leading us. There. I'm pushing you toward the door. Because really, it's all... Good day. Wait, our payment. Oh, well. Maybe the true payment was the lessons we learned. No, the real payment is our payment. Later, the valet did pay them, but... The fee was not discussed up front, and the Duke paid them in his local currency, Dupey dollars, which were not accepted or exchangeable in any American banks. But banks are strange places, much like the New York offices of the Onesimus Suites Corporation. The offices were simple and unadorned, and in one of these plain offices was Cato Beach, the personal assistant to Flavius Flavors. Send the gift baskets to the state senators. And double the bonbon orders. Right, mm-hmm, sure. And step up processing at the molasses factory. Uh, is this for the rhombus of progress? Uh, yes. That fool architect and his lack of spelling. But it's too late now. There are flyers. You can't contradict a flyer. 
That's what lost Winfield Scott the presidency. All right, if you say so. I do. But let us not dwell on old fuss and feathers. Rather see that this... We got your number, Flavors, and it's 31. 31 flavors of crime. Flavor 1, the chocolates. Flavor 2, the board games. Flavor 3, those fries. Flavor 4... Can I help you? Do you want me to rough them up, Kato? I I used to be a good... Uh, No, I can handle this. Hello there, I'm Kato Beach. How may I assist you? I can't rough them up, then. I, I guess I'm just gonna have to roast some hobos. Don't mind him. Mind? Oh, I don't mind him. I'm Eugene Nedley, and I've lost my mind. I'm Andrus Troop, botanist, adventurer, and investigator. We'd like to talk to your boss, Flavius Flavors. Uh, my boss? Oh, yes, uh, he's not here. Don't lie to us, fella. I know he's around here. I can smell the sweet stink of a snack, felon. Where is he? Under the desk, like some sort of desk bat? I had one of those. I would sit at the desk, and it would fly up and bite my face a lot. How did you get in here? Eugene has that sort of dumb confidence that causes people to just assume he belongs there. I have seen all sorts of things I shouldn't have. This is but a mere candy consortium. We want nothing more than to bring sweet treats to the masses. A smile and a penny earned. I do not know what felonious deed you think we are capable of, but... I can assuage your fears. Here, have some peanut brittle. Yeah, right. I'm going to pop this top and a bunch of snakes will jump out. I seen the gag. Oh, it's just brittle. Uh, Well, not just. There's a hint of ginger. Mm, The spice that makes everything nice. We know Onesimus Sweets is up to dark deeds. Dark, huh? Well, I didn't mean because you're... I meant like black, because... Black is bad. Oh, black is bad. I see. No, I mean in the literary, black magic, white magic, and the whole not... Black is... I was an abolitionist. I am a big... It was after the war, but I wrote... Eugene? We're both uh, strong progressives, and we, we, we want to help. Help you. You probably don't even know about the whole crime part. Right. You're just a loyal employee and don't realize your boss is bad. Join us and bring him down. You are a good man and caught up in bad things. I was born three days before the Emancipation Proclamation. Freed, but then turned into a cruel and vicious post-war world. I was young, angry. Then I came to find a place here. It's a hard burden. I'm sure. I know what that's like. One time I had to sit in a tree for a whole afternoon trying to catch sight of a nut hatch. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, do you follow the notions of Booker T. Washington or the more radical notions of this new upstart Du Bois? I assume you both, as good progressives, read and support the Colored American magazine. What did you think of the feature on Pap Singleton? Oh, well, I've heard of... I I think there was a good article in Vanity Fair about it. I didn't read it, but I saw it. <clears throat> I've been meaning to pick it up. We've been busy. With our cases, and there's so much to read. I mean, I've had that Frederick Douglass book on my nightstand for... Time is just... Whew. Oh, I know. A Tempus Fugit. I agree. You both are great at doing great work. I'm inspired by you both, truly. Thanks. It's nice to be given the recognition we deserve. Yeah, of course. 
Oh, the other week I talked to, um, oh, what's his name? Reggie at the Republican Club, the bartender. He's great. So, <laughs> so funny. He's also a uh, um, nice guy. Do you, do you know him? I always talk with uh, him. He's great. Hmm. You know, it's so hard for me to imagine Mr. Flavors is up to something. But you both have shown me a lot with your gumption and drive. And I think I saw that play they wrote about you. Most of that was... Playwrights take a lot of creative license. Oh, of course. Did you see Howerton's interpretation of Ovid? Res e soliciti plenati moris amor. Not in scene seven, right? So these chocolates in the bowl here, are they, uh... Can I have some? Of course. Fill your pockets, friend. Eugene! It's for the case. It's evidence. You're eating it! For the case! Just a couple more. As I was saying, you've moved me to aid you, but I cannot do it openly. What if I stayed at my post, but, via the most wily chicanery, I acted as Benedict Arnold to Flavors Washington? Yes, a colonial costume party. I'll be Betsy Ross. I already have the perfect outfit. Uh, I meant it metaphorically. I, in moments of respite, could find you in your abodes and give you what tidbits of intel I acquired. You both run the investigation in parallel. Find the bitter root that grows the tree of Onesimus. That would be most helpful. And I'm good at finding roots. Yet. Oh. But Mr. Flavus has given me so much. I'm torn. I'm betwixt Scylla and Charybdis. Please, I must think this over. Wrestle my conscience. Like Jacob and the angel. And hope I become Israel in the end. Whenever I wrestle, I become bruised in my end. I will find you. Let you know my decision. We hope you make the right choice. Exitus acta probat. I always do exit to the left, right? And with that, they left Cato Beach to make his choice. Would he help them take down Flavius Flavors? I know, but I'm not going to just say it. That would be terrible storytelling. Instead, back at the office, they find disgraced detective Hawthorne P. Westwood sprawled out on Angus's desk, completely nude. By Turnell! Have you no decency? In this life, decency is dead. You know, New York opium just doesn't have the kick of the Frisco stuff. What? I do my best thinking in the nude. I have no interest in seeing your parts. We all have parts to play in this game. <laughs> my parts always point true north. What is he doing? Somehow he's getting it to point at my yarn wall. Picked that up from a traveling medicine show in Beloit. So, what did you learn? At least put something on. Fine. I'll dress while you spill it. So they filled Hawthorne in on Cato. And Hawthorne did put on clothes. Socks. Only socks. Yes, we are getting close. No, we're not. We need to pursue other cases. We're going broke helping you and you've done nothing. Not true. Just before you arrived, I did a whole pile of cocaine. I'm raring to go. I am setting up interviews with potential clients. You can tell the Prune Consortium to get in line. You don't tell the prune dealers anything. You talk that way to a pruner and you'll be missing your thumbs. Fine. I'll do the work. Lazy ingrates. Um, your clothes. I'm master of disguise. It's like I'm already gone. Where'd he go? He's right there. He didn't even move yet. Oh, right. All that sugar. I think it's affecting my eyes. Varvel. Just something about that guy makes you love him. 
Let me check the mail and see if we have any leads on clients. Great. Can't wait for some new buggering. Remember, that's his term for helping. So, Ange has sorted and arranged some meetings. Elsewhere in the crime side of town, Gilded Rage was still upset. Ah, the audacity of that big stick. Big jerk is more like it. Jerking this way and that way. I put so much work into this. The Gilded Rage demands satisfaction. Then perhaps I can help. <coughs> Who speaks? Tis I, <laughs> piecemeal, the patchwork man. Yes, I am a reanimated corpse, the shuffling ghoul. Don't say the Franken word. Unique, yes. Original, yes. And I have an original plan. We team up. Two villains <laughs> teaming up. <laughs> Never before in the history has it happened. What? It happens all the time. It's a trope of the Penny Dreadfuls. Two rogues find each other. They join forces. They don't trust one another, but then they unite. The hero falls, but then one of the villains betrays the other because they want the credit. Blah, blah. The hero ends up besting them both. I mean, it's the domain of desperate writers across history. There's, there's even a play around this corner where the two dark characters of our age, Dracula and Susan B. Anthony, team up to suck men of their rights by giving vampires the vote. You're saying it's been... Done? Oh, to death. No! You to death! I am unique! And so, in a blind fury, Piecemeal pulled out a knife and stabbed the Gilded Rage in the heart, fatally wounding him. Ha! How do you like that? It's been done. <laughs> now show them! I just need to complete my never-before-done masterwork! Yes. I have the canvas. <laughs> Next is the paint. And with that, Piecemeal ran off into the night. The Lanwell Murders is a Roy Gold production. It was written by Jonathan A. Goldberg with music by Matt Roy Berger. It was directed by James Oliva and mixed by Martin D. Fowler. Editing help by Hannah Fairchild. Have you rated us? Reviewed us? Liked us? Told your friends? Why not? I know making friends is hard. They say an adult male in Utah has a better chance of creating life from a stone than making meaningful connections. Sorry, Utah. What a stink state. Anyway, stay starboard and always port toward F. And there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be than here in my room, dreaming about Shindel and Dora. Okay. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.